I'm Anne, co-host of Transparency in Teaching, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special bonus episode of the EdTech Distilled Podcast. My name is Adam Geisen. With me is Dave Lurch. Dave. Hello. I waved for a podcast, which doesn't make sense. Right. But um, they can imagine that you're waving. Yeah. And it was an enthusiastic wave. Oh, exuberant. Exuberant. And the other thing is, this is a special, like, after school type episode. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. this is, we're going to get, we're going to get real. Yeah. And with us today in this special after school episode of Tech Distilled. <laughs> the realist. Is, is our buddy John Spike. And if Yay. you listen to uh the episodes in the first season, we had mm-hmm. uh John on, and we'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. Um, but we talked to John about his uh the, the game that he's created, the board game that he has created. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to give too much of it away. Uh, but John is here to give us a huge update. And the, the timeliness of this episode is important because uh, you're in the middle of a Kickstarter. And while you've already met the the goal, um, that doesn't mean that the project's over. So, John, say hello to everybody. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm John Spike. And uh, the, the shorthand is, uh, if you haven't seen that season one episode, but I, I'm sure everybody has you know, yeah. multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my, my kind of shorthand of, of what I've done is uh, been a high school English teacher K-12 tech integrator, tech coach, whatever the parlance or phrasing you prefer. And now I I coordinate instructional tech in a university where I work in the College of Ed for future teachers. So help the faculty, staff, instructors, future teachers use tech in their teaching. And then uh, I am the, I I don't like CEO. So I've done like chief creative officer, chief (laughs) or chef, chef executive offer <laughs> your, your officer or whatever uh of game store me to you and basically uh it's an L- llc we do uh you know game publishing we do uh you know consulting we do uh, curriculum all that good stuff and so game stormers is our first commercial game i've made a bunch of kind of remixes of games for different subjects and things like that done game design resources for teachers and educators but yeah game stormers first commercial game and as uh, Adam and David mentioned, it's out on Kickstarter. Kickstarter, if you're not familiar, is, is a crowdfunding site. So people can put up their ideas and say, hey, if you want to pledge, here are different pledge options. So for example, GameStormers, $35 pledge gets you a copy of the game. $150 gets you a classroom set of the game, five copies, uh, things like that. You can also just pledge, say, hey, I really like your story. Don't really want to copy. Here's 10 bucks. You know, you can do that too. So there's the, I said it was going to be a shorthand of who I am and everything, but it got, it got away from you guys. Sure enough. That was perfect. That's pretty good. Well, yeah. you've done a lot of stuff, John. It's hard. That is probably the short version <laughs> and still try to include at least as much stuff as you can. Right. Um, while, while I'm thinking about it, because you, you mentioned the other things that you do before we get to Game Stormers. Yeah. Um, the, the website is actually a, it's a great website, a great resource for your stuff. So his website is gamestormedu.com. And again, we'll throw that in the show notes as well. 
Uh, and one thing that, um, you know, we, and I love that there's a picture of you right there um, from, from LA uh, where we met in person. That's uh, I think that's great. But we have a, um, uh, you've got all sorts of good stuff on here. You've got in your game design section, you've got uh, resources for how to make games. You've got a game library of games that have been created. And these are games you can use in your classroom uh, with the students. This is a great way to kind of introduce the idea of game design, which also leads us right up to Game Stormers, uh, which is all about game design. So for those of us who didn't uh, listen to the podcast, for those of us, because I wasn't listening uh, <laughs> the first time, remind me what, uh, what Game Stormers kind of, how it came about and, and what it became. Again, if you want to do the short version, you can do the long version too. We're, yeah. we're all here for the long haul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I'll, I'll do the abbreviated. But, yeah, I, I was really struggling. You you did a great kind of overview. The website is about helping teachers, students uh, with game design. You want to make a game or or demonstrate your understanding through kind of a gameful experience. Uh, GameStorm EDU is meant to help you with that. And I was struggling with what's the hook? You know, I think there needs to be a hook for this. I don't know if people are going to feel comfortable jumping in. And I realized, well, the, the, a game could be a great hook. What if there's a game where you kind of, get introduced, you know, kind of scaffolded into game design. And so that's where Game Stormers was born. Really started, I think I look back at the initial Google Doc of planning, like December 2020, have been iterating on it, forcing my wife into playtest after playtest <laughs> during the pandemic, shipping copies of the game off to people to playtest, bringing it to conventions, to game nights, and having people test it. Uh, just uh, a lot of that design thinking, iterating process. And now uh, it's in there really close to final form about 70% of the art is done for it. And it's got 137 unique cards of art. So it's got a lot of art. And so we've got the art close uh, to it. And, and to give you kind of the, just the game synopsis is really you're developing a five card game narrative. And so to do that, you've got a storyline to the game you're making. You've got two what are called mechanics uh, in the game verbiage, but really think of them as verbs, things you can do. You could use a secret passage. You could, um, you know, enact a mutiny uh, if you wanted to, you know, things of that nature. And then two items. Those are really your nouns. So do you have a, you have a certain character you're going to bust out in your game? Is there a place you go to? Is there an object that you use in the game? And so really for the non-gamer, we tell them, you know, create a narrative that could potentially be used in a game. For the hardcore gamer, they start making the narrative and they're talking about how it works already. You know, they're telling you how you, all these different things you can do on your turn, you know, what stands in your way, you know, even some different things that are going to be in the game. And so we want it to be really for anybody, the, the novice or the hardcore gamer to jump in and do it uh, as well. So that's kind of the, the, the game overview, if you will. I'm glad you brought up the art because the art I think is, um, it's amazing. Is it's really fantastic. The yeah. the company that you are working with with the artists, there are some talented, talented people. Indeed. So, John, I know one of the cool things right now is it's this like golden age of board games. You know, I, I it just blows my mind how how many amazing games there are out there, and how you know traditional like Monopoly or those classic games like that they're <laughs> they're still great, but. Right. People people are doing amazing things and they're putting them into games and they're making these incredible things. So was there were there any set of games or a specific game that was like your major driving force to get this <laughs> jump? Or, um, you know, is there a favorite game that like kind of drew you to this or, or, or some type of inspiration? Yeah, that's a really great question, actually. So one goal I had for the game, you know, I kind of came into it with design goals. And one design goal was I wanted to 
expose players to a, a, some different game mechanics they weren't experienced to. So you talked about it. Some, you know, some people come into the board game world and they know Candyland, they know Monopoly, they know Sorry, you know, they they know these kind of we call them evergreen or perennial games. But some of those games aren't actually great game. They're not actually all that good, right? Uh, they're they're not the best designs, you know. Monopoly has this trap of it never seems like it'll end, and by the time it does end, everybody's miserable. <laughs> Candyland, there's no actual choices happening, right? Right. Sorry, there's a few choices, but they're not all that meaningful. Like everybody would probably do the same thing if given the choices that you're present. So they're all very inherently flawed. We play them because they're pretty mindless, and there's some comp- competition. So right. one goal with Game Stormers was, well, let me show you some mechanics that are kind of fun, right? And so at, in the original game, I showed all these different game mechanics, all these different things you could do, worker placement and, you know, b- secret bidding and all this. And I realized it was too much, you know, it was too much going on. And so I said, scale back to mechanics that make sense, but still, you know, kind of show people this is what a game can be. So instead kind of limit it more to there's a, a, an aspect to the game beyond making your game and, and kind of pitching it which was inspired by, by games like, uh, you know, kind of inspired a little bit by that, like Apples to Apples or Cards Against Humanity, mm-hmm. you know, kind of those creative party games, um, you know, kind of inspired by those, a little bit of Snake Oil Snailsman, if you've ever played that, you kind of sell a product to people. The only difference in this between this game and that one is you, you kind of have this joke product. They have to make sound good. This one, we want you to actually make something really good and then <laughs> sell that, you know? Um, but then the other pieces were inspired by so many different games. You know, um, one game that, you know, everybody tends to cite as their their gateway into like the, the indie kind of more strategic games is like Settlers of Catan. Sure. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not like a huge Catan guy, but I respect that it, 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 introduces you to all these different ideas trades and and mm-hmm. multiple victory conditions and things and it, it shows you how deep games can be while still making it pretty friendly and that was a goal i had was show people card drafting and show people um you know show people things like uh you know doing victory points and and secret win conditions and and things like that and so i tried to incorporate a lot of those into game stormers uh and so really i was inspired by a lot of different games that, that just had these unique ways that you can engage with game design and game play. Uh, and I tried to do it in a way that was still easy to teach, still varied enough and appealed to different gamers. So the strategic kind of score points, you know, be devious about how you acquire cards and what cards maybe you take off the table other people can get, you know, that's for that strategic gamer. Pitch your game is really for that creative gamer, that person that's really tied to the storyline, that budding Dungeons and Dragons storyteller mm-hmm. that doesn't want to dive right into Dungeons and Dragons, but wants to get right. their feet wet with the creativity. So, uh, in, in, in kind of a, a long winded answer to your question, lots of games went into it. I had to really parse out what was going to be a nice effective set of kind of gameplay, uh, you know, mechanics and actions to, to get people really seeing, Oh, this is what games can do can be. Because if you ask a kid to make a game, they default to you go around a circular board right. and get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And, and right. then it's not fun, right? And answer some trivia questions about, you know, a right. topic. And so what if it was something more nuanced than that? Let's show them some of those mechanics that they could tap into to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the best board, board I'm sorry, the best games don't even have boards. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what, you know, what we've started to see with, like what you mentioned with, you know, Cards Against Humanity and some of those other ones where there's, there doesn't need to be a board and the right. game can be creative. Um, and you know, I think that that's definitely something that people can relate to 
now, even if they're still used to playing Candyland and Trouble and Hungry Hungry Hippos. <laughs> so what kind of uh, so we kind of did talk about this a little bit when when we were on, when you were on the show before, um, but uh, you know now you're I mean like you're a full fledged businessman at this point um with this with this product so did you kind of have um you know like a mentor do you have somebody that you were kind of talking with as this as this became a little less of an idea and more of an actual project um or were you kind of on your own with this well i just want to first say thank you for you know announcing me as a titan of industry yeah (laughs) absolutely i mean it's right so I mean, it's been a long yeah. time coming. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> we we will probably compare you. We talked about Elon Musk recently, and now John Spike <laughs> is our next. Right. So next week will be Jack Dorsey. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'll I'll get to the question, but I do want to mention my uh, we 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 have like a little my 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 in laws have like a little cottage on a lake and and terrible internet. So their their neighbor just got apparently Elon Musk has like the Starlink mm-hmm. internet. Yes, and they got it. They they had like a. A hookup and got it and so we call it musknet out there that we i heard got. it's pretty good actually yeah. it's pretty i mean we went from like no internet would work no satellite no mm-hmm. you know they won't they wouldn't run cable out there and musknet yeah i mean the hype is real but anyways i digress i digress i just want <laughs> you better to trademark about... musknet just so you know musknet, that's yeah. a great that's a great name I assume the musknet is tapping into you know all my ideas while I'm on the Wi-Fi. It probably, probably is, yeah. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> Tesla's going to have some new board games come out. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> my uh, NFT wallet has been emptied. Uh, yeah. anytime <laughs> I'm out at the cottage, yeah, it's it's empty. So jokes on them. Um, <laughs> anywho, uh, so yeah, mentors. I, a great question, and and really, I had no intention of, of starting a business. But really, when I started reading up, and I got, I thought I had an idea that was Kickstarter worthy. Really, they do say, you know, unless this is really just a one-off, you're going to sell your good and be done, and just do a one-off sale. You should really have an LLC, sole proprietorship, something like that. So I fired one up. Um, you know, talked to a lawyer friend about getting the you know, the, the forms together with the promises of, uh, you know, the first copy of the game stormers game, mm-hmm. uh, which he probably is like, I'm never getting paid on this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, Oh, okay. I just unsolicited advice. Um, and talk to, you know, a friend of mine who, who sets up, you know, a lot of the back end work for, you know, just people who own their own companies to get that side of it. But for a mentor in terms of this whole process, um, I do have to get a sh- give a shout out to, uh, D D Lanier, uh, who was my mentor for the Google Innovator Academy. I know you guys have talked mm-hmm. about the Academy. Adam and I uh, met at LAX 18 uh, many moons ago. And uh, D, uh, it was funny, like D, <laughs> D wasn't looking to be a mentor. And then thankfully, like my, uh, I get, they called them our kind of our coaches, right? The mm-hmm. coaches had a group of five or six of us at the camp, uh, the, the, the camp, <laughs> I called it a camp. Like we were, it kind of was a camp. Like, yeah, yeah. We were like, had our little beanie hats and went off That's to a good way like, for it, Northern yeah. Wisconsin, <laughs> to, you know, toddle off in the lakes and stuff. But anyways, uh, yeah, my, my, uh, my coach journey, uh, reached out to D and said, Hey D, you know, I got this guy who I think you'd really jive with. He goes, ah, I'm not really doing that, but tell me, tell me, tell me his idea. And so she's like, Hey, uh, journey reached out to me and said, Hey, tell him your idea. And I said, Hey, I want to make a game about making games. And he goes, I'm in, you know, he's, mm-hmm. and cool. so he actually, uh, D I I'll give a shout out to his product. Um, he made originally it was called a, like a smash board, but he actually is rebranded into a, a game called solve in time. And it's actually a set of cards where you actually play it. It's kind of you're on the clock and you use these cards to help solve a problem. 
And so, uh, yeah, Adam will go ahead and put that in the show notes. I'm going to say that doing it right now. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I could see him, I could see him furiously, furiously, uh, binging, you know, uh, solving time right now. (laughs) Uh, I know you're a big Bing fan, uh, Adam, one of your go-to. Absolutely. Well, you know, once I get through all of the images, uh, then uh, (laughs) they all start showing up. (laughs) Anywho. Uh, so (laughs) D, D, uh, D, D, uh, you know, has this solving time game and really it was so great too, because, you know, I know you, you probably talked to a lot of people and the, the mentor mentee, some people were like very, you know, Hey, I'm going to set up a, a, a set of tasks for you, or we're going to do check-ins and you, I want you to show you, show me your progress. And D and I would just get together and talk and, and it'd be so much of, you know, he'd ask where are you at? I'd ask where he's at. We'd really, you know, it was more of a partnership. Uh, I didn't feel like mentor mentee, but he gave me so many ideas because he was like a step ahead in this game design process. He was a step ahead in the business process. Right. And so D would tell me like, Hey, have you protected your brand and your assets? You know? And I'm like, I hadn't even gone there yet, but I'm like, okay, I better trademark game storm EDU and game stormers. And he's like, Hey, have you thought about, you know, have you thought about, is this going to have like a low barrier of entry if you're going in education? And I was like, no, it's super complicated. Is that bad? <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, take your basic idea and then like whack it with a hammer a few times and then do that. And I'm like, okay, well, I've got a lot of hammering to do. All right. <laughs> and, and so D really, I think he would just be like, learn from where I've like gone off the trail. Right, and he right. said, you know, I realized I, you know, I needed to block in what was truly the message trademark that. So he, he didn't trademark smash smashboard. He went for solving time when he realized that was the product. And uh, he said, you know, I thought I had a, a good game and I realized it was not going to be a good fit for my people. Fix that. <laughs> Learn from me, John. And so he was so great about just being very upfront, upfront about like where his failures were yeah. and it not saying that I avoided then avoided the same failures for sure did. But, uh, you know, D gave me the warnings and the the lessons learned. And so, yeah, for sure. Uh, D Lanier shout out to him. He also just released a book. Uh, so check that out. Um, uh, also will be in the show notes. Yeah. I want to say it's decolonizing design, but I demarginalizing demarginalizing design. Thank you. Yep. Yep. And his name is D. So how Mm -hmm. badass is it that he, can I say that? Or did we just move into explicit? No, you're good. You can say that. Yeah. We'll bleep it out. Yep. Yep. That'd be great. I, if there was video, it'd be great to see like a little black bar kind of pop <laughs> over my mouth. But, Speaking um, of totally yeah. off topic for two seconds, but on top of what you just said, we were flipping <laughs> through the channels last night and um, a Die Hard 3 came on with a vengeance. They're, they were all on oh. yesterday. Yes. And the editing for that, hilarious. Yeah. He called him, he's like, not everybody's blah 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 you melon farmer and that was my favorite melon farmer and it's even that way in the closed captioning i rewound it and watched it like three or four times it was hilarious yeah and it actually matched like the mouth like it it looked really good but anyway melon farmer is there's some skill involved in that totally totally not not just not saying like mother trucker you know i mean no i mean melon farmer it was really funny anyway um okay so now that you hit i'm back to the game so you hit your game with the hammer a bazillion times and now it's kind of the like you said the entry level is is a little bit lower um so obviously you've you've kind of built it with teachers and stuff in mind um what uh, what kind of role do you think it can play in a classroom? Because obviously, you know, we have mostly teachers who listen to this show. Right. Um, and what uh, you know, what, what's their draw? Sell yeah. it to us. 
Yeah, it's it's been really great because I've actually shipped it out to teachers, classroom teachers who have used it. And so I can tell you about the ways they've used it. I've, I've kind of awesome. in my head thought of ways that it could be used, but you know, they've gone out and done it. So uh, one teacher just used it as an entry point. She had, uh, she worked specifically with some gifted and talented students and they had a board game design unit. And so one oh. of the things she did was had, have them play it. And what was great is it was early in its design. So it not only gave them game design ideas, but they actually assessed it and gave me feedback on it. And they learned Fantastic. that process from the perspective of the person giving feedback on a prototype and they knew that they would be receiving it later. And so I think it, it helped them too. And it also kind of humbles you. Like, you know, they gave me feedback that I was going to be used to be actionable. And I was able to tell them about some changes I made based on what they told me. And then they were going to do that later on. And I think it helped, you know, to see that vulnerability. And right. the other great thing, I don't know if you know this, but seventh graders are very blunt. So that was good mm -hmm. for me. I've uh, yeah, seen yeah. that. Yep, I was going to say firsthand experience, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, another way that was really cool, I sent it to a, uh, a computer science teacher uh, in Wisconsin, and he actually has students play it a few times through. Not only did they give me feedback, but also then their assignment, at, they played it before kind of the winter break and after winter break, they rolled with one of their game designs. They rolled into trying to kind of develop that and code that, you know, um, from the back end and front end hmm. kind of coding experience. So they actually had to work in kind of a coding teams to kind of develop one of their game narratives they liked, kind of decided which one was a good one to focus on, build out from that. So it was kind of an ideation for them. A uh, few different That's ELA cool. teachers using it as uh, writing prompts. So mm -hmm. they would play the game. You get this game narrative story that you make, and then you challenge to write about it or develop a card from it or an asset for your game from it. Tell us a little bit about that game, the lore, the backstory. Uh, and and what's really cool, too, is if the whole game is either intimidating from a time standpoint or just a logistics standpoint, the individual assets from the game could actually be used, too. I actually use the game cards. I pass them out to my attendees in my game design session, have them develop kind of a game, near, a quick three-card game narrative on the spot. Mm -hmm. They just turn to a partner. They pick out, you know, three of their six cards and, and bam, hit them with kind of a narrative that maybe they could use in their classroom or just a fun one they thought of. You could do that with your students. Just use the cards as a quick ideation activity, yeah. creative thinking. It comes with these great, uh, we call them theater dice because it's the theater action, but you can roll mm -hmm. these symbol dice. And if you've ever used Rory's story cubes, they're very much in that vein. You roll them, you get yeah. some symbols that those symbols could be used in narrative storytelling uh, Michael Matera, who's, who's, you know, we're all big fan of, you know, for gamification, mm -hmm. Michael Matera uses Rory's story cubes for, uh, he's used them on tests. Students roll the dice and then use some of the symbols to connect them to concepts they've learned that, you right. uh, you could do that with our dice and our dice have just amazing graphic visuals from our art team, you know, tying it all back yeah. together to that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've had, uh, we, we have a card design contest happening right now, K-12, mm -hmm. and we've had art teachers have students actually design cards and then drop them into our templates. So they've, they're actually developing kind of faux game art and then awesome. a card for us, uh, you know, uh, not going to end up in the final game, but we have a, a prize, you know, you get, you get a sure. copy of game stormers. If your card is picked as, as a winner of our, our contest. Uh, also just promoting that. If you go to gamestormedu.com, we have that uh, K-12 art uh, game card contest up right now. Um, but yeah, the, there's just a lot of different ways I think to tap into it. And I, I actually was just sharing uh, a little bit ago to some, some high schoolers, uh, how I used math in game design and publication publishing, I should say, 
I had to think about how big does this box need to be to fit all my assets? Well, what size should I make it to make sure it ships nicely? If you have that box an inch too big, you're in another shipping category. It costs double to ship it, right? Right. It's like Tetris. How, yeah. How much should I? Okay. It, it costs me $6 to make it. It costs me $10 to get it from China, the US. I need to pay to fulfill orders through my fulfillment company. How much should I charge for this game? How much will people pay? You know, right. what is the perceived value of the game? What return on investment do I need from each copy? How many copies do I need to sell? I'm like, this is really interesting math that I'm doing, right? Uh, you know, so I, I, it's math I care about. And if students right. are doing more math like this, where they're thinking about volume of a game they've made, they're thinking about shipping a product that they might ship out. You know, I, I think those are really cool applications of subjects that sometimes don't jump off the page at us. So right. those are... That's me, uh, you know, going going on a little bit of. I swear that stuff you're learning in K twelve will come. It's back important, someday. right? Yeah. Right. It will right. come back when you well, least suspect it. And and the thing about that is, there's been a lot of. I, I've noticed a lot of push as of late about getting kids off the screens. You know, they're seeing a lot of uh, post pandemic. There's a lot of, I think, negative effects to that ex excess screen time, which we know, you know, that is is you know could be expanded upon greatly based on how much screen time there is at home. But gamification is such a good way to close the screens, but to continue doing engaging things that you're doing in your own classroom. And, you know, so much, so many people talk about moving away from that fixed mindset to something that's more growth. I mean, this is just ideal. So we literally, we're doing a book study in my school district right now. And well, we just read a chapter on that exact topic. And so I, I I'm going to be sharing this with all of our teachers uh, for like my 15th email this week, but I'm, you know, this is just how it is. And I apologize. So, so cool. So we're going to throw the, the Kickstarter link also, it's already in there in the show notes, uh, mm -hmm. as well. So, so you, like we said, kind of in the, in the lead in, we've got, you've hit your $10,000 goal. Like right. you did it in just under, was it just under 24 hours? Just right, you're right at just over just 24 hours, over, yeah. like a half hour over. Yeah, uh, we, we always like to like, I will say one of the interesting things about Kickstarter is it's really you want to fund fast uh, just because that that usually is promising moving forward. You can, you know, advertise on that and you can show people, hey, there was early groundswell and belief in it. But yeah, mm -hmm. we were just, we, we've we've put on ours like funded in 25 hours. Right. So, you know, we didn't want to say like, you know, it's like, well, no. we want to say under 24, but we don't want to be like funded in under 20 or two days. Right. And it's actually right. right. So we sure. went for 25. Right. It seems a little that's funny. but it's the reality. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's that is great. I mean, it's amazing that it, it just exploded like that right off the bat. Uh, but you're so you're still hitting other goals as well. So people who are listening can still contribute. Um, and, and obviously, this is this is important. The art, like I, I kind of mentioned earlier, and I do want you to sort of talk a little bit about it because I know you talked about it a little bit in the last one too. But um, but the art is is uh, it's really really impressive, and I think that that is what kind of sets products like this aside you know i mean mm -hmm. it's it what it's what gives it legitimacy for one if it looks pretty um and that's a big part of games i mean if games yeah. don't look good yeah, they're visual. not as fun to absolutely. play absolutely right. yeah. and uh and this looks great and the cards look great um and, and so that's really really cool and so you're still working with the same organization you started out with obviously uh and that style it has just played through in every single one of the the pieces that they've created it's fantastic yeah, yeah, I'd, and I'd, I'd love to kind of expand expand on that a little bit uh, with the with the Kickstarter. 
a, a couple of things that I learned, just I did a ton of research. I, I've read books by specifically about board gaming, Kickstarters. I've read blogs. I My commute to work is just podcasts about designing games, kickstarting games, manufacturing. Like I've just been immersed in it for about a year and a half. Uh, and that's another piece of advice I give anybody is, is if you want to go into this passion project, you know, soak up and, and use every little window. You know, I've got a, uh, I've got a daughter who's about to turn one. And so I don't want to miss anything with her. So I've been trying to find those pockets of time and, and optimizing those. But um, to that point, uh, what I learned is, you know, if you're a first time designer, you know, first commercial game, you know, you need to do a few things. Number one, you need to let people know that you are taking this seriously. So you can't come in with half-baked art. So I knew I had to find right. someone who was going to lend this credibility. And, and Vika Fajardo is the name of my my lead artist. And she actually, during the course of this project, uh, started a, 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 an art, uh, kind of an art studio um, with, a, with a colleague of hers and have kind of brought on artists to do this and other projects. And what's really great about her and, and what I really liked about her is she, number one, was very open with advice for me. She came up with a strategy. You know, I gave her a budget. She came up with a strategy for me. Um, and then since expanded that budget, when I realized like, you know, I wanted to have people see a good amount of the art by the time right. the Kickstarter rolled around. But, and she also was just also very passionate about the project. And I think that's another thing you gotta be looking for in uh, whether it's a paid or unpaid collaborator, they gotta be as, as fired up as you are. And she is on every live stream I do. She is responsive. She is always pushing, you know, she sent me art and said, you know, I think this is about right. And then she comes back a week later and says, hey, we actually just didn't feel right about that art. We went back and made tweaks. What do you think of this one? And I go, well, the last one blew me away. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why I'm getting this, but it yeah. looks even better. It's and nice so, to have perfectionists working for you, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And so it, it it's just been really great. But, I, you know, the other thing, too, you realize is when you are trying to set yourself apart and think about any time you've been in a retail store with games, how do how do you stand out? Totally. Like how does somebody like actually read your box? If right. Your box doesn't pop. Nobody's grabbing that. Yeah. And so I think that's the only uh, the only example to the opposite is is uh, um, oh, what the heck is it now? We've just talked about it. Cards against total humanity. brain fraud. Cards against humanity. Yeah. Black right. box. It's the only Gray text or white text. Yeah. Otherwise, and and yet that's that sticks out because it's one of a kind. Right. You can't repeat that. Uh, right. Everything else has got to look good good and yeah. yours looks good good yeah it really yeah. does yeah and that is totally a, a a matter of two things uh you know know that knowing that i really had to provide it legitimacy and and mm -hmm. the other piece too is i realized the design of this game is you are storyteller and some people don't connect with the name of a card you know right. so i the card could say one term and that might not click with somebody, but you show them this great visual and they hone mm -hmm. in on one detail of it. Yeah. And one thing that just blew me away is I, I'm, I think I mentioned uh, in this uh, or maybe I imagined it, but we actually had a seven year old play the game. It's, it's, it's aimed at ages nine and up, you know, that older elementary and up, mm -hmm. uh, but we had a seven year old who couldn't read all of the words, but she was playing just fine because when she had to storytell, when she had to decide if she wanted a card, she just looked at the visuals. And there was a card. She didn't know what a chariot was. We had a chariot item card. And she made it work in her game. It was a wagon that the character used. <laughs> so this character carried around this cool-looking wagon mm -hmm. with a with a lion on it. And it didn't matter <laughs> that it said chariot. Nobody right. cared because they're like, right. holy crap. You know, I just want to hear more about this game with the 
the the epic wagon that this character has and and everything and and you and I wouldn't look at that chariot card and do that, but she did. Mm-hmm. And the wagon was just such a, a hilarious addition to her already hilarious story. Uh, <laughs> and I realized I'm like, oh, thank goodness I have this artist who right. just has so much going on and and really makes these these terms and these these uh, actions and these mechanics and these stories and these characters come to life, not only with the words, but with the visuals. So yeah. that was a huge part uh, in it as well. And they just the other thing, too, I love is they have fun with it there's little Easter eggs in our art that are across cards. So you could just spend, hmm. I think hours looking through the cards and being like that character is in the background of that card or that, that character. I've good. seen that person before. I've seen that's that little awesome. object before mm-hmm. they, they did little things like that because they're so involved in the world. You know, right. first it was me teaching them like, this is the world I'm going for. And now it's them just riffing on it. And it's really fun to see, you know, it's, it's cool. It's the really thing cool. I'll, it's yeah. the closest thing I'll come to, you know, like jazz fusion is, is right. Uh, our team <laughs> right. just going yeah, off yeah. on like this crazy fever dream of a game world. So it's really just every time I get a new card, it's, it's just blows me away. And that's how I hope players feel is when they draw that next card, they're just excited to see what it looks like. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. They're not going to use it. So that's kind of how I follow your Instagram and your Twitter is just to see what the next cool picture is you're going to post. And the ones, and if Sloan's going to be in it, that's the other thing I look for. You know, cool. it, it's it's funny. Another thing that you you learn is is kind of this budding business marketing and trying to wear all these hats. Is you look at the the data, you look at the impressions you get, and I've really been leaning into the Sloan posts during mm-hmm. the Kickstarter because they easily right. get the most. Oh, I bet. Like I'm sure we got do. great card art. We got these amazing cards, and anytime Sloan shows up holding the Game Stormers box or eating a Game Stormers card, just yeah. doubles. Yeah, and, and so I'm like, okay, how do I do this without fully exploiting my daughter? Right. You know, in a way she won't like. So we leave those cards on the floor and see what happens. See yeah, yeah, just yeah. Now right. I'm just baiting her into adorable right, right, right. game stormers photos. Yeah, it's it's really yeah, it's really it sounds not very ethical now that I'm hearing it out loud. But no, no, I, you're fine. good. Yeah. That's I think that's a cool thing though because having that personal touch really does I think make people more invested, especially when. You know, my my daughter, uh, she's starting. She's in third grade. And she's starting to be very interested in more complex games, so like Dungeons and Dragons, is something she really wants to dive into. And they they do an amazing job of having like, here's an entry level card game that simulates fifty percent of what a D and D game is. Yep. And I was showing her the Game Stormer artwork and some of the stuff, and she was like, "Yeah, we're definitely playing this." because that was something like she was, she loved Sloan. She loves all that stuff. So yeah, I think it's cool that that personal touch is very neat. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also, I I think one thing I told these, these high schoolers when I came into the intro business and marketing course, I said, you you know, you really, you need to get them thinking of you, not as this entity that's just trying to sell you on something. You know, the worst thing that can happen is you become self-aware of somebody just targeting you mercilessly and so part of that is, is showing people like, I'm a, you know, just human being, I'm a dad right. who, you know, has his daughter on the cover as my daughter's growing, the game's growing. And I tried to make the messaging about the game very much. Hey, Sloan is starting to crawl. Game Stormers is kind of crawling out of the gate here. You know, Sloan's taking her first steps. We're taking sure. our, our first leap in the Kickstarter. And so that metaphor, the goal there was to, to not only just kind of create this analogy of where the game progress was and also you know, people who just care about Sloan learn, you know, kind of by the game about the game by accident. The people who learn about the game are like, oh, he's also dad. I'm a dad or you know, whatever. <laughs> but also, you know, I, I think, too, 
you know, it, it also is a chance to dehumanize like the game store media company. Like, oh, there's a guy, John, who just, you know, wants to fulfill a promise to his daughter, too, at the end of the day. It's not right. just a please give me your money. And, and so I think humanizing yourself in marketing is really important. People do this all different ways, right? Wendy's does it by being hilarious on Twitter, right? You know, right. And, hilarious. And stuff like that, you know? Hey, so, hey, man, we're big Disney fans and Disney yep. has could write the book on it. And we are fully aware that they are doing this. And every time we go, we know exactly what is happening. And yeah. we know that all they care about is they just want us to buy. Yep. But, you know, they do, a, they do a great job with it. There's nothing wrong with that, I think. And in fact, I think that especially giving given what people are not into now, I think faceless corporation is, is going to be a thing in the past. You know, I mean, if you look at the companies that are trending upward or making the most money or going that, that, you know, growth explosive route, it's companies that are willing to be more uh, emotionally open, you know, not just we, you know, we make this thing and we do it really well and we pump them out fast. You know, there, there is that human side of things. And I think that's a good thing because it, it, it makes the world a better place for all of us. So, yeah. Say what you will. I mean, we were just talking about Musk. Say what you will. But I mean, some people love his brashness and there are probably some people who would have never touched a Tesla, but they actually right. now love what he stands for. And right. now a Tesla is appealing. Right. That's his approach. Right. It's it, it wouldn't work for me, you know, but right. I you know that 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 is he is definitely, you know, he is definitely, I don't know if you call it humanized Tesla, but he is, he is put a face to that. <laughs> he's, a, he's a face. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he who's, has put who's a face the face that. of GM, you know, who's the yeah. face of Ford, right. you know, it's like, it's true. Yeah. but you know the face of those. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's funny. So what are your future goals? What's going on? What are you, what are you hoping for next? Cause the Kickstarter goes for another, is it two weeks still? Yeah. Yeah. Depending on people, when people are listening to this May 5th, 2022, you know, for our, listeners from the distant future right. in 2052 when game stormers 19 has come out um <laughs> yeah, that's very wishful <laughs> i'll be long gone by then it'll be musk will probably own it actually oh for sure quite <laughs> have acquired us just based mm. on listening to this and hearing yeah. me yeah like, you'll, you'll be like a robot head and it'll yeah. just be like yes you know, it's funny. I, I one of the cards that made it into this this final draft is build a robot body and it was kind of a nod to like you know, just my hat on a robot body, just kicking Fantastic. butt, teaching and making games. So, um, <laughs> and also all those hilarious sci-fi, like future world imaginations, but anyways, uh, yeah, future goals. Uh, I would say, you know, uh, you know, right now it's, it's, you know, in the very short term, it's, we, we want to keep unlocking what we call stretch goals in the Kickstarter. So this is common in the board game field. It's becoming more and more common in other crowdfunding campaigns but basically incentivizing people to share out and get invested in the marketing you say hey if we reach this amount of backers or this amount of money we'll do something even more cool with the product so for board games it's often better quality product uh, more more assets you get you know something unlocked maybe it'll be a cool mini figurine maybe it'll be more cards things like that and so for example we're on the cusp of unlocking you know, on, on today, you know, for today, we're on the cusp of unlocking like a nicer dry erase scorecard instead of flipping through and running out of scorecard pages, you can just have a dry erase one you can use. Uh, we're coming up next on nicer, thicker card quality. And then after that, I'm, I'm hoping we get to this one for sure. Five more cards that you can make into storylines for your game. So we'd add a new card to each of our kind of 
GameStormer world. So that's that's hmm. my goal. Is I really would love to give us to that. That's twenty five thousand. Yeah. We're at about fourteen thousand four hundred right now. So at every five thousand, we we have a new level to unlock. Uh, so that's the short term. Midterm is uh, get the game art finalized, manufactured, shipped to everybody. Hoping to do that by December of twenty. Start fulfilling around the new year. Uh, and then I, you know, for, for kind of long term, I I've been telling, I've been on a few different live streams and podcasts and I've told people, uh, game design is incredibly addictive. Uh, I'm sure you guys can relate to some of those hobbies and passion projects, you know, that you got going on, they get, they, they get addictive. And so I've got a few other ideas in the hopper. I'm, I've already, I actually had to scale back game stormers uh, in size. And so I've actually got kind of a ready-made expansion, ready but right. you know just need to see how a reception goes you know if there's reception mm-hmm. to where it makes sense to do a run uh of of expansions you know great if not learn from game stormers and on to the next one uh right. you know which is is always the reality a creator has to accept you know <laughs> yeah whether it's a broadway musical or or a book or uh you know whatever it is uh if, you, if the if this one is not sustainable what's the next idea uh, and so I thankfully I have some ideas I'm excited about, uh, both educated and just not just a game that right. I probably, I would probably pitch to another publisher because, you know, now with EDU at the end of my name, I can't really publish like an adult centric, you know, gambling right. game, right. You know, that wouldn't be sure. a good fit, you know? Uh, so, uh, can't do cards against humanity Two education edition. Wouldn't be good. <laughs> would not oh be a God. good look. It It'd would be, be popular though. Be lucrative, but yeah, uh, probably would. You know, you think about all the people who back this game. Now imagine being like, hey, backers, guess what's next? And all these right. family gamers would be like, what happened to you? You know, so mm. that's one thing I learned from the, the board game industry is, you know, mm. you if you become a publisher too, you you know, that brand has to be kind of in your wheelhouse. You can't really go right. into left field with your next product. That's not, they're not going to respond to that. <laughs> it's not going to sell. You know, they, right. they, they kind of pigeonhole you a little bit for better or for worse. So, yeah, that's true. Well, John, we're super excited for what you've done so far. Uh, we're excited to see where you go. Both of us are our backers, so we um, are. Thank we you. can't wait for our version of the game whenever it uh, <laughs> whenever it comes. Um, before we say goodbye, what are you what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, so this is uh, shout out shout out to my wife. Uh, she got uh, this this book. So it's 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 an unofficial, not sanctioned by. JK Rowling or anybody, but it's Harry Potter and the book of cocktails. <laughs> and uh, so, so my, my, my sister-in-law actually gave it to her. Uh, I guess it's her sister-in-law too, uh, by the transitive property. But uh, <laughs> so she, she made this the other night and then I asked for, I'm like, I'm not, as I shared in season one, I'm not a huge liquor drinker. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I but I want to honor EdTech distilled. So this is uh, called Phoenix, phoenix's song so i think it's a nod to fox the, mm-hmm. the phoenix yep. and so i think it's tequila i think there's uh some orange juice there's some um probably um you know that red stuff that's sweet grenadine there grenadine, we go i got yeah. there uh some I, I think some lemon juice in here and some triple sec and mm. so it's sounds pretty good sounds interesting good. it's good it's uh probably gonna switch to uh, uh a beer here but uh you know that <laughs> This is, the one, this is what I'm a good one right off. Now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. It sounds like Dumbledore would be into that. So, so that's good. You know? Yes, I, I think so. I think it's, I think it's kind of been typecast into this drink a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, what do you got, Dave? Uh, Moscow Mule. Oh, yeah. So um, it's almost we, summertime. Yeah, we have some vodka. And so uh, I was like, well, we got to drink this. We had a birthday party Saturday and uh, we decided to have it outside. And, and no one can see this, but I am red as can be because I'm so sunburned from being outside. <laughs> and um, it was very sunny and it was very windy. And the temperature dropped to like 45 degrees. And um, mm. I wore shorts. So mm. not a good time. So I had to stay warm. <laughs> Easiest way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Pascal meal. Yeah. Yes. What about good. you, Adam? I'm just uh, some straight up uh, Elijah Craig. It's, it's good stuff. It's, it's a good, yeah. goes well with. Uh, so we'll go back to, to watching Batman here as we're done finishing recording. So I have That's a little right. something to sip on while I watch the rest of the movie. Um, we, uh, again, John, thanks for taking the time to uh, hang with us tonight. Yep. Uh, this is a great way just to kind of update listeners, let them know where um, where you are with the project and that it's going strong. We've got, obviously, uh, more room to grow in the Kickstarter. We've put the link to the Kickstarter in uh, the show notes. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can find John on Twitter. Uh, you can find specifically uh, the GameStormer EDU uh, just at, at GameStormer EDU. On Twitter, Instagram, it's Game.Stormer EDU. Or Storm EDU. I'm sorry, GameStorm EDU, not ER. Let me say that again. On Twitter, it's GameStorm EDU. On Instagram, it's game dot storm edu, right? Yes, just to okay. mess with people, yeah. Okay, so well, that's what you got to do on Instagram. It's Instagram. <laughs> yeah, change it up just a little bit. Uh, where else can they get a hold of you? I know they can find you at the website. We got that linked as well. Any other places? Yeah. Uh, so my my Twitter is at Jonathan Spike. I'm a J O N A T H A N Spike. Just to mess with people again. As just well. to mess with people. Yeah. Yeah. Just yep. throwing a couple dots in there. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm very active on there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in addition to the, the game store media links, but yeah, gamestormedu.com is a, just a great kind of one-stop shop for everything. And yeah, actually if you know, the, the, the show notes have the link, but it's also bit.ly slash game stormer will get you to uh, the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter as well. Awesome. So that, yeah, just uh yeah, I, I kind of threw people for a loop, the company's game store media, the games, mm -hmm. game stormers, you know, yep. just uh, the the cross branding wasn't. Qu I didn't quite stick the landing, but uh, it's, you know, try my best. That's a tough thing to do, especially in this day and age when every like domain name is already taken, and you got to come up with something new and creative every time. <laughs> uh, so we get it. Uh, but uh, for those of you listening and are interested, please go uh, to his Kickstarter and uh, throw some support his way. I know uh, that he would appreciate it. Um, you can find us on the podcast uh, here in all of the places that you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and Pandora, and Spotify, and all those places. You can find us on Twitter, also at, at EdTechDistilled. You can find us on the website at EdTechDistilled.com, um, and join the conversation there at the website. Uh, Dave, any parting words? Um, you know, I don't think so. I was going to say something <laughs> profound, and... Uh, I've been off work for like four days. <laughs> I know, and, and so no, I, I got nothing. Got nothing. Uh, watch Batman. Batman's good. Batman's um, good. We just spent the weekend watching Guardians of the Galaxy. That's also a good one. So there you go. So if you want yes. something to do, that's right. Yeah. All right, John. Thank you again so much for taking the time. We're excited to see where you're going with this, and uh, and we'll have we'll pick you back up here uh, in season three and see where you're at. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.